0: Everybody, I uh, want to wish you a happy Monday uh, if that's the day you're tuning in. Uh, but either way, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we hope this podcast finds you well, and we are excited for our very first official set down interview, Res Living and Learning. Uh, so thank you all so much for tuning in. I'm going to pass it over to my co host, Emma, to also say hello.
1: Thank you, Seth. Thanks, everyone, for ter- tuning in today. We wanted to start off by thanking, you, thanking all of our listeners for the support you've given us so far. We've heard from a lot of faculty and staff on campus and some students um, about being excited for this thing to get going. So we're really excited. We're uh, looking forward to y'all hearing our first episode and the subsequent episodes that will come after this. So thank you all for the support. Continue sharing the podcast. And we'll be in touch later with how you can join and get involved in the podcast with uh, letting us know what you want to hear, who you want to hear from, but today we have a very special guest for our first episode.
0: Oh, absolutely. Uh, So we're super pumped. Uh, We're kind of debating how to introduce this gentleman today, Uh, but really what better way than to take a quick glance at his Twitter handle, Dr. Chris Jones rhymes with stay the F home. Uh, Dr. Chris Jones, we're super pumped to have you on today's show. Uh, How are you today, sir?
2: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on the show.
0: You are so welcome. Uh, Can you tell us a little bit about what you do at Washburn?
2: So I am a uh, assistant professor of religious studies and so that means that i teach courses in religious studies and uh, i also uh, run the religious studies program i'm the only full-time faculty in religious studies so i am basically in charge of religious studies here at Washburn university
1: so for those listeners that don't know what does religious studies really entail obviously um, sometimes in the mid- midwest we're not super religiously diverse but for those of Those listeners who don't know, what are those details? What does religious studies mean to you? What are those details that exist on Washburn's campus?
2: Well, mostly religious studies is about conjuring Satan. No, it's... um, In religious studies, what we do is we study, we we teach, and we read, and we think about religion. And so it's very different from, say, doing a theology program where you would be studying religion from the inside. Uh, We study religion from the outside. And that doesn't mean that students or faculty have to be religious or non-religious or any kind of religious. The whole point is that everybody, regardless of their background or their perspective, can come together and have a public conversation about religion um, in the public space at the university. And so, you know, our classes um, range pretty widely about different religions. You know, I teach a uh, class on world religions that covers Buddhism, Hinduism, Islam, Yoruba traditions, and uh, Christianity. I teach an intro to religion class that focuses on theories of religion, and we look at Appalachian snake handling and Haitian voodoo. Um, Upper division classes cover everything from uh, my specialty, early Judaism, to Uh, next semester, I've got a class I'm running on ritual um, that uh, will look cross-culturally at ritual in different settings, even outside of religion, like sports rituals and um, personal rituals and whatnot. Uh, So, you know, really anything that you might think of as religion, we study it in some way in religious studies.
0: Oh, that's, that's fascinating, sir. Uh, What, what was it really that like compelled you to become a professor and specifically a professor of religious studies? So
2: the, I'll start with the first part of that first. What compelled me to become a professor was being a student. Um, I, uh, this is really very, very core to my identity as a, 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 as a person. Um, I, I had great professors when I was in college. My professors changed my life and invested in me in ways that I could never repay. And so that really impacted me and it made me want to be a professor myself like when I thought about when I was young and I was thinking about like what do I want to do with my life I thought you know who has had the most impact in my life and it was my college professors and so I wanted to have that kind of impact and so uh, I went into religious studies because religion fascinates me um, I think that you know, living in any society, you're going to to deal with people from all different walks of life, all different religious and non-religious perspectives. And understanding religion gives you a window into understanding people's core values. If you know how to understand, a person's religion, you can know a great deal about what motivates them, what they love, what they fear, what they hope for, and you can build bridges across divides of difference and, and really understand where somebody is coming from when you study religion. And so that was a lot of the motive that I had for specifically focusing on religion. But for me, it's always been about being able to get into the classroom and, and be a teacher, be a mentor, and you know sort of pay forward what my professors invested in my life when I was younger.
1: That's fabulous. And definitely, I can say from my personal um, experience as a student that I loved your course. In fact, it was my favorite course that I took at yes. to Washburn. So for our listeners, if you're looking for courses next semester, do consider the Religious Studies courses, specifically with Chris. Um, I definitely... But being not a religious studies major or minor myself uh, got so much out of it and absolutely loved it. Loved your teaching style. Um, and that leads me into a really important question. We talked about um, before we had you on the air. We were wondering, what is your teaching philosophy?
2: So part of my teaching philosophy is just to like stop crying because of what you like thank you emma that was so kind of you to say that wow um you were absolutely phenomenal as a student you just brightened that class in so many ways uh, and you brought so much energy and intellect and challenge you're one of those rare students that would just fight with me in the classroom and i love that um seriously but uh, and, and i guess it does kind of lead me into the question of teaching philosophy you know for me um the teaching has to be an exchange. You know, a professor is an expert in a topical area. That doesn't mean that you have special access to the truth. It means that you have a lot more knowledge and and a lot more skill in navigating certain fields of study but I think any classroom, the students need to also bring their expertise and their experience and their perspective to bear. And uh, in, in teaching, we call that constructivism. It's the idea that uh, the truth exists in the classroom, that the, the students and the teacher work together to develop a truth for that classroom. It's not that the professor has the truth and students have to guess it or have to memorize it, but we collaborate to develop an understanding of what is true. And I think along with constructivism goes the idea that uh, really teaching foundationally is about trust. Um, You have to establish trust. And one of the the biggest challenges in teaching to me is convincing students that they should trust me. Like, There's no good reason you have when you walk into a classroom to trust the professor necessarily. And so for me... I've had to learn to uh, be vulnerable, to be honest, to not just say, I care about you and want to help you, but to really demonstrate that through my actions um, by being there for students and by, by giving of myself to students. And so my, my teaching philosophy is really rooted in in relationship and mutuality in shared burden in shared discourse um, and in, in shared, frankly, in, in mutual compassion and shared caring. Um, You know, I care about my students a lot, and and they reflect that back to me in many respects. You have, certainly, Emma.
1: Appreciate that, and I completely agree um, with, I mean, I'm not the only one, and I think that philosophy is what makes all of our students at Washburn really speak very highly of you. So for those those students who are looking to take a class next semester and are interested in taking a course with you, can you um, tell us which ones you're taking? I know you mentioned one earlier, but can you uh, mention all of the ones you're teaching in the fall?
2: So in the fall, um, I'm teaching two general education classes. I almost always teach these, Intro to Religion and World Religions, and those are still open. Um, and uh, And so those classes, there are no prerequisites. They count as general education humanities. Uh, they also are required for the religious studies major and uh, part of the religious studies minor, so they're a good intro to that if you want to explore. That is a possibility. Um, and those classes you know, are meant to work together to sort of cover uh, what Anybody ought to know about religion as an educated person. The upper division class in teaching on ritual, unfortunately, is already overfilled. And uh, given the um, the fact that we're going to have to be thinking about classroom space and social distancing in the fall, I I don't think I can let anybody else into that class. Unfortunately, Um, but I am running those two uh, uh, general education classes, and they're both quite open. And I would love to have more students
0: in them. No, that's that's terrific. And so yeah, if you're if you're looking for a class this fall. obviously they fill up quick. I hope you take that as a compliment, sir, that, uh, you you know, students want to seek out your classes early, but uh, this is by no means an ad. We're not sponsored by Dr. Uh, Chris Jones, Uh, but if you need a class, uh, by all means. Sir, you mentioned something that really, uh, really piqued my attention. As As a student in the classroom, I really appreciate professors that do encourage that back and forth, the engagement, the conversation. How have you approached keeping that up uh, now remotely, uh, kind of these unprecedented times, how have you kept up discourse, uh, with students?
2: That is a real challenge. And it's a challenge in part because, okay, so like it is very, very. I I believe very strongly that online education is possible, that you can teach really good classes remotely, but you have to structure them as remote classes from the beginning. So taking classes that are structured to be in-person classes, and suddenly, like with a week and a half of lead time, picking them up and moving them to an online environment has been one of, if not the greatest challenge I've ever faced as a, uh, as a teacher. Yes, sir. Um, and so, you know, one way that I've tried to keep up that, that multi-directional back and forth is you know, by using discussion boards. So I have students uh, posting on discussion boards. I record lectures Uh, where I I have a PowerPoint, and then I also have a a window of my face and voice, and so I talk through the topic with students, and then I invite them to talk back about what they've gotten out of it, and I've had pretty good participation. I've had maybe half of my students engaging regularly in discussion board prompts, which if this were a normal semester, that would be a catastrophically low amount of <laughs> engagement. But this dumpster fire of a semester, um, I'm going to take that as a win, honestly. So, um, And and I'll say like, the students that have participated in discussion boards have done phenomenal work. The the level of engagement, the discourse, the level of, of disagreement and honest conversation has been inspiring, and stunning, and, and, and really makes me very happy. Uh, today, we were talking about early Jewish mysticism, the rabbis, Somehow we started riffing on Lizzo's Truth Hurts in the middle of that, wow. and it was great and transcendent and wonderful. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, so those are some of the things I've been doing to try to connect with students, keep students connected to the class, and, uh, and keep that back and forth discourse going.
0: No, that's terrific. And uh, real quick, just a shout out to our executive okay. producer, Starla. I think she was about to jump out of her skin when you mentioned Lizzo. Uh, so <laughs> obviously, big thanks to her. And I think you did just become her new favorite professor.
2: If you um, look on Twitter, yeah. actually, there's a there's an exchange about that. that uh, just check it out, okay?
1: <laughs> I'm getting on Twitter right now. I love that. <laughs> so happy. Thanks. Fantastic. Well, obviously, Chris, you care deeply about your students. And so in this time of um, social distancing and being separate, what is one thing that you wish your students um, would know. Obviously, you're really good um, reaching out on Twitter. But if you could instill a piece of knowledge into your students, and specifically, um, even or I guess generally, more generally, the Washburn campus um, students, what would it be? I think
2: I can't speak for all professors here, but most of my colleagues and my friends, um, we really do get how hard this is. We really do get. Um, how much harder this is than a normal like online class or a normal semester, and we are very very eager for students to be in touch with us. I, for myself, I can say like it is never too late. So like if if a student has. I, I, I've had so many times I've had this happen where a student just disappears for a week, is just not logging in, not connecting at all. And it's usually, you know, for one of two reasons either like real stuff goes down, like, you know, somebody gets sick or they lose a job or there's just some real crisis in their lives where they just don't have headspace for school, or you just slip into a rut, you know, where you're staying up until 6 a.m. and getting up at dinner time and you know, sitting down with a phone and a book in front of you and and looking at your phone the whole time, you know, like you just fall into that habit. And like, I get that. I don't judge that at all. And, you know, I'm never going to, if a student like emails me or whatever um, to say, I'm sorry, I missed a week and a half of class. What can I do to get back involved? My response is going to be, let's talk about that. Like, I'm not going to be like, where were you? Shame on, no, we're not doing that. Um, We're going to meet you where you're at. And, you know, I, I. I, I think I can speak for a lot of, of my colleagues that this is where we're at. And I hope that that's your experience with your other professors as well. Um, yeah.
0: No, and we and we can sure appreciate that. And I think now more than ever, students do value that in a professor. Like I say, now in this unprecedented time, probably more than ever. Uh, yeah. You mentioned your Twitter presence. Uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Jones rhymes with stay to have home. Uh, which by the way, stay home just real quick. Uh, But can you tell us a little bit about your Twitter presence and kind of what it means to you in terms of like engaging with students with the Washburn community? Uh, how, How do you value that platform? So,
2: I mean, I've been on Twitter for a long time and I've only really been super active for the past five years or so. And at my previous institution, I was at Augustana College in Illinois for a couple of years. And I discovered sort of by accident there that I found it really useful to have certain like back-channel ways to communicate with students um, because I have a number of students, and this grows every year, who don't regularly check email, don't uh, have a, a point of connection to email. And, you know, beyond that too, I guess in 2020, social media is really an extension of our public selves. Um, I, I, I view social media as um, another place, just like, you know, if, if the, you know, I see students in the, the student center or, you know, at PTs or whatever, when we're not social distancing. Um, to me, social media is a space like that where we might encounter each other and where we should feel like we can talk to each other and connect with each other and engage. And, you know. Interacting with students on social media has given me a lot of windows into what it's like to be a student. I mean, I'm 41. I'm the age of a lot of my students' parents, you know? Like, I'm old enough to be most of y'all's dads. Um, And I'm pretty out of touch, you know? Like, there's a lot of back in my day, get off my lawn stuff (laughs) that, that I might catch myself thinking. And social media gives me a window into, you know, the things that students deal with today, both good and bad, positive and negative. Um, and I think it helps keep me grounded in, in the student experience today. The other thing is that, you know, I, I, I oftentimes encounter students who are screaming into the void on social media, you know, and sometimes I can make suggestions about, you know, here's where you can get some help with that. I think last week I referred three different students who aren't in any of my classes to counseling services uh, just, you know, because somebody was like, oh, my God, and mental health. And, and so we explored some possibilities for that and, and, and found a connection there.
1: That's absolutely fantastic. I really appreciate that. Uh, you do that. You use that uh, form of uh, connection and um, relation to your students. and I think it, I think it shows, uh, even with uh, the students on campus, that you're not directly um, connecting with through classes, and I think it's well appreciated. Um, so okay, so you've been on Twitter a lot lately. Uh, what is your favorite trend right now going? On? <laughs> Have you hopped on it yet?
2: Oh, latest trend on Twitter. Um, gosh, um, you're going to catch me flat-footed here because mm-hmm. there's so much going on there. Um, you know, I, I love memes and and, and I love using verbal memes because it, there's a whole grammar involved in like taking something and reusing it in a different context. And yeah. so, you know, the ability to show that shared cultural understanding. Um, I, I just I love when when I feel like I get it. You know. Like sometimes I'll see people posting stuff and I'm like, what the hell? I have no idea what's going on there. Um, But when I I understand where something's coming from, that always makes me feel like I'm connected. And I think too, I mean, getting beyond trends and things like that, Twitter has been a lifeline to me in quarantine because, you know, I'm lucky enough to live with a family. I've got a a spouse and and two kids. And so I'm not lonely. You know, I, I live in a house. I'm the least extroverted person in my house. So like we are... Connecting with each other, but I do feel isolated and cut off some and being able to interact with students online has been a, a real a real godsend um, in this time like just feeling still connected especially to those students that I, I Have a relationship with that, that are really you know that, that I already connect with a lot, but uh, it just Feeling like we're not alone, like we're going through this experience together. There's something shared here. Being able to, like, log in in the morning or log in in the evening and see other people also complaining about not knowing what day it is um, <laughs> and, you know, not being able to get up out of bed, you know, before 11 a.m. or wanting to stay in the shower all day long or just wanting a hug um, or something. Somebody posted, like, when are we going to start calling this the War on Hugs? And I almost lost it. Wow. Um, oh, my <laughs> You know, um, and the last thing I'll say about this too is is just how inspiring I find Washburn students during this time. Like the level of, of like the way you all look out for each other. The, the number of times I see just people checking in on each other, um, expressing concern for each other, uh, expressing you know the importance of social distancing and stay at home and things like that. Um, has just, I mean, you all are incredibly responsible and uh, socially conscious and and concerned about others. The the stereotype that Gen Z are like glued to their phones and, you know, uh, self-centered and narcissistic or whatever is just couldn't be further from the truth. I, you all are so much more socially aware and community aware than people in my generation ever were.
0: Oh, that's, that's terrific, sir. And th- thank you. We we're really proud of the community as well. And we're kind of trying to keep that rolling here with this podcast. Yeah. And I feel thank like you. I would be doing the community a disservice if I didn't at least ask you <laughs> listening to you talk there. What about an introduction to memes, introduction to memology? I feel like there's a whole discipline here that you and I could head up. I'll be your teacher uh, aide. I'll do something. I, I feel, who do we need to get in touch with because introduction to memology? I'm enrolling next fall. I hope y'all are in.
1: Is that yeah. a word, themology? I think it if it's now.
0: It is now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're, we're on the internet, so anything we say is yeah. true. So we're good to go.
1: Cool. I love it. Okay. So uh, just to wrap up here, we have one more pressing question mm. that it, uh, our uh, executive producer, Starla, has been dying to ask you. Um, why bread making? And will you tell us a little bit more about your experience with that?
2: Bread. Okay. So. Well, a long time ago, like when I was my first stint in grad school, um, we lived in Evanston, Illinois, uh, and uh, I didn't have an income. My wife was working as a Catholic school teacher for like nothing. Uh, we just didn't have any money. And so I hit on bread baking as a way to do something extravagant that didn't cost anything. You know, because like the thing about bread the thing I love about bread baking is this like when when you make a really good loaf of bread, it's amazing, it's transcendent, it blows your mind, it takes you to the of heaven, it's fantastic. And even if your bread doesn't come out, it's still homemade bread. Like it's really hard to bake bread that is so bad, it's worse than like grocery store bread. So there's always an upside to baking bread. And so I I developed it just because it was a way to give something to my wife who was working so hard to support me in grad school. And the other reason that I stuck with it is that it's frankly just one of the most stress relieving things you can do. Because at the end of the day, to make bread, you have to knead the dough. And when you knead the dough, you just beat the hell out of it. And so Whatever stress you've got, whatever you're upset about, whatever you're frustrated with, I have definitely never named a lump of dough before I started kneading it. I've definitely never done that. Never imagined somebody specific was the lump of dough that I was kneading. Of course not. <laughs> certainly not kind no. of a kind person. Um, but it's just, there's something tactile and, and connective about it. Um, it smells great. Um, and then at the end of it, you have a thing that you made. Um, and so for me like so much of my work involves reading books and and you know talking and and using words i use so many words so many words all the time words 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 cooking and bread baking is a way to be creative and productive where you're not using words it's all with your hands and so that's what i love about it No, that's terrific
1: i adore that so much can yeah. you please i don't know if is, is i don't know if bread baking is one of those things where you just do it or if there's a recipe that you follow If there is, can you send it to me so we can maybe post it with this podcast (laughs) and also I can personally use it?
2: So, funny you should ask, Emma. Um, I actually made a bread-making video a couple of weeks ago (gasps) um, that I posted, so I would be happy to send you the link to that and if you want to promote that as well. Um, Now, it requires commercial yeast, which nobody can get anymore, Um, but one thing I have done during the quarantine is I I started a sourdough colony, so um, I would also be happy to send you the link to where I learned how to make sourdough because I now have a really, really, really active little colony of yeasties that are bubbling, 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 and making uh, bread for me without buying commercial yeast. So, yeah.
0: That is phenomenal. Thank you so much. I yeah. would appreciate that. <laughs> Absolutely. If you have anything to take away from today's episode, crank some Lizzo, make some bread, uh, stay at home. But, wow, yeah. what what great things that you could be doing uh, during this – quarantine time while you're practicing social distancing, uh, make some bread, crank some good tunes. Uh, but man, Dr. Kurt Jones, we, uh, we really appreciate you being on. Uh, we appreciate what you do for Washburn's community. Um, and what you've done for this podcast thus far, uh, for being our first guest, uh, when we make it big, we'll be able to look at you and say, he, who was our springboard, you know? Uh, so thank you, sir. For real. We really appreciate you. Uh, stay safe and give your family your best.
2: Will do. Thank you so much, all of you, for having me on. It's been great. It's great to see you. Like It just does my heart good to see your faces. I miss you. Uh, Emma, you'll get this reference. I miss your face like hell. Um, Seriously. It's so good to talk to you.
1: Oh, my God. I've been listening to that song on repeat. In fact, it's the only thing I can kind of play on the guitar, and so my brother is literally yelling at me. So I'm just to get better. I'm like, listen, I know it's the only thing, but I'm trying. But that, yes. Um, yeah. when I have the bit when I have it down, I'll send you a video. I'm working. Please do. On it. please do. I will.. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. Thanks. So yeah, folks, if you have the chance, please consider taking a class with Chris Jones involved. if you're interested in religious studies at all reach out to us. Uh, reach out to Chris. Now you know his Twitter handle. Uh, so um, again, uh, tune in next week. We're gonna be talking to Steve Hageman. Um, and yeah, I'd be set. We'll go ahead and
0: wrap us up. Thank you guys. Once again, uh, we're really pumped. We appreciate all the support. Uh, check out our socials. Uh, we also have a brand Banking new email. We are rlpodcast@washburn.edu. at washburn.edu. Uh, so if you have any ideas for future topics, uh, for questions for Steve or our future guests, uh, if you have ideas for future guests, uh, by all means, reach out, uh, stay safe, make some bread, Uh, and make sure that we are keeping this Washburn community tight. Uh, And thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a fantastic week.